Thanks for choosing to listen to another City Point West podcast. I trust that this message empowers and encourages you to continue your journey of faith. Enjoy. By the blessing of the upright, you and I, is that our city is exalted. Our city is in a better place because you are in the city. And as we look at this word blessing, is so often in our Western mindset, we think blessing is wealth and comfort. No, 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 no. It is here in the text, this word blessing means to be made holy, to be consecrated. And so I just don't want wealth. I don't just want comfort, but that comes with God. But God says, no, I have declared you holy and you are consecrated unto myself and to my work. Is that you and I are blessed because He has blessed us to be holy people. <laughs> and because you are here, Acts 17 says it like this, is that God has predetermined our days that we would have a span of life together here and also pre-appointed our boundaries. We'd find ourselves in the western suburbs of Brisbane, joined together, different gifts, talents and abilities to uphold and to uplift the name of Jesus. And as a result of that, that we'd see our city move. By the blessing of your life, our city is exalted. It is that we are designed to leave our city in a better place than what we actually Found it. I love the God's story of redemption. It begins in a garden, but it is going to end in a holy city. Is that God has a great plan and also a great design for cities. And I see from the very first chapter of Genesis is that as God breathes breath and life into mankind, is that mankind end in a place of fallenness, is that sin enters the world. And God's great plan and great design for cities from that very moment is changed. We see in Genesis chapter 4, it says, as the people were fruitful and they multiplied, the very first thing they did is that they decided to build cities. It says that Cain builds a city is that Cain's descendants build a city. And so for the next few moments, I just want to look at what God's original design for a city looked like. And we find in Genesis chapter 11, in verse 1, it says, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found the plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. And then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and break them thoroughly. They had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is to the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves well, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Out of this passage of Scripture, I see that God has three original designs for cities. His first design with cities were designed for human capacity, human potential to be released. It is that God has created you and I to be creative and also to develop, to be fruitful and to multiply. He has made you to build and to cultivate and to develop and to enlarge. Is that cities were a place where, where human potential could be released. And as we come together in a place of unity, of different gifts and different talents and different ab abilities, is that we were designed to advance our cities, to take our cities forward. But as sin entered the world, is that what God designed cities to be a place where human potential was released, is that cities had now come a place that that verse said there, is let's go to the city to make a name for ourselves. 
Is there no longer this place of releasing human potential, but it's now a place where human beings desire to be self-glorified and self-esteeming. It's more about self than working together to release each and every one of our potentials. The second thing in this passage of Scripture that God says about cities is that cities, His original design, were designed to be places of refuge. And the verse says here, it says, let us build a city that we might not be scattered. If you are scattered, you are vulnerable. And here the people are saying is, could we build a place of safety? Could we build a place of refuge? We don't desire to be a scattered place. We desire to be a people of unity and also a place of agreement. And cities were designed to be built to give people a, a place of mercy for those that had no power. Those that were vulnerable now could be put in a position of strength. Those that were now outcasts, we brought into a local community and loved and nurtured and equipped and also developed. And so God's original plan was for cities to be a place of refuge. But we find in Genesis chapter 4, a man by the name of Lamech comes home to his wives at the end of a day. And he says this, is that this man hurt me. And so I killed him. And so rather than the cities being a place of refuge because sin entered the world, they're now also a place of violence. And God's third purpose for cities was cities were designed to be places where humanity could encounter God that there would be a places of spiritual searching. Is I, I'm amazed that Paul wasn't just sent to country towns to preach. No, he was sent to cities because people were searching spiritually for God. And if we look at the ancient cities of old, is that they were always built around the largest building, the largest structure, which just happened to be the place of worship. And the cities were established around the place of worship. And as sin entered the world, we now just have to look at our tallest buildings in our city, and they may not be there to acknowledge the one true God, but there to acknowledge God's of wealth and of finance, insurance and superannuation and legal. Is that because sin entered the world? Is that humanity can find a whole multitude of gods in cities, but God desired that our city be a place where human potential is released, a place of refuge, a place of encountering the fullness and the bigness of God. And I see all the way throughout the Word of God is that God sent men and women into cities. He sends you and I into our cities to accomplish four things. He has called you and I to bless our city. Would you stop cursing what God wants to bless? And so often we can curse. We can curse the community we live in. We can see all the different stats. Would you stop cursing what God wants to bless? Also, maybe what's God's put in your own life, would you stop cursing that because God actually wants to bless it. And He calls us into the city to bless our city. He calls into our city that we'd love our city. We don't have to totally agree with everything that takes place, but would you and I love our city like no other? Would we love not just Brisbane, we'd love the individuals in the city of Brisbane, that we would would be the, the conduit of His great love to the world around about us. Not only that we would bless and we'd love our city, we would serve our city. And this is one of the things I love about our house. The ability to serve humanity when a flood happens. I love that as a church, we're there. I love through universities and O-weeks as we're there as red frogs. I love that we have a she-rescue home in Cambodia. We're there transforming a city. 
is we're designed to serve our city. And if we do that right, if we bless, if we love, if we serve, then we have the great ability to proclaim the good news to our city. <laughs> the ability to change the city, not just for good, but for God. Is that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony. You're designed to bless, to love, to serve, and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, we have a desire, we have the ability to move our city. Is I, I find it remarkable that Jesus built a heavenly city by coming and dying in an earthly city. And you and I are called to populate that heavenly city by giving our all to our earthly city. Would you and I bless, love, serve, and proclaim the good news of Jesus over our incredible city? For the balance of this message, I want to camp around one passage of Scripture found in Matthew chapter 21. Uh, we normally share this passage around Easter time, but as I was reading it recently, it was just like there's just so many amazing aspects of this story. So I'd love to read it with you. Matthew 21, verse 1. It says, Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethage at the Mount of Olives, and Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. He says, You'll find a big donkey and a little donkey. He says, loose them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. Now, now just because this story happened 2,000 years ago, I don't want you to go into someone's house this afternoon and taking their TV, and as you're walking down the front stairs, just let them know that, well, the Lord has need of this TV. <laughs> We're not designed to do that, all right? Uh, not to design to go into someone's driveway and get their keys, their car, and you know, nick off with it because the Lord has need. No, is that this was this was Jesus telling his disciples to do something, but he's not telling you and I to do it this afternoon. All right, verse four. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a foal, a colt, the foal of a donkey. And so the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. Would you and I just do what Jesus asked us to do? Fans have been told us, go, go into the village opposite. I want you to get the big donkey and the little donkey. I want you to bring them to me. And I'm like, Jesus, you got, you're, what are you on right now? Like, they simply just did what he asked them to do. And they brought the donkey and the colt. They laid their clothes on them and set him on them. Does anyone ever just stop and think, what on earth is that? I always get these pictures in the Word of God. It says here that they sat Jesus on them. Is it Jesus sitting on a big donkey and a little donkey? I, I don't know how he's doing that. I don't know if he's riding side saddle on the big one, got his feet on the little one, but he sat there. I don't know. I don't know if the big donkey was carrying the little donkey and Jesus was sitting on top of the little. I don't know. But it says he was sat on them and a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And so the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. What a remarkable picture this is. Is two disciples, they go in, they take the big donkey, the little donkey, 
They bring him back to Jesus. They set Jesus on them and he starts to ride into the city. Is the humanity is before him, there is humanity behind him. That they're taking off their outer garments, they're throwing it on the road in front of him. They're taking branches off trees, no environmental concerns back there, and no permits required there. And they were throwing it on the road in front of Jesus and they were shouting at the top of their lungs, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And all the city was moved. And they're asking this question, who is that? Who is that? Have you ever had someone say, why did you do that for me? Why were you generous? And why did you pray? Why did you visit me? And why did you mow my lawn? Why did you give me that meal? And simply because it's who's inside of us. That we'd never ever want it for our glory, but we'd always desire it for his glory. And so this morning, let me give you some thoughts around generosity out of this passage. Uh, One of the great things about generosity, if we get this lens right, generosity is stewardship, not ownership. You see, in generosity, God requires something of us. And here we have a story about someone who owned a big donkey and a little donkey. And God says, I require that of you. I wonder how, what our response is when God comes to us and says, I require this from you. I wonder if you and I are so easily to, able to release what God asks of us or is there times of hesitation where we would actually withhold? And I pray that you and I would always have the lens that we are stewards of what God has entrusted to us, that I actually do not own anything, but it's because of God's nature and character that he entrusts you and I with different things that he says, I don't want you to hold on to it. I want you to release it. And as you release it, I'm going to flow it through you. Is that you're going to be a conduit of my favor and my blessing of my holiness uh, to the community around about you in Psalm 24 and verse 1 says the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness the world and those who dwell therein if you and I get this verse and to acknowledge that all of this is God's and he just gives me the ability to breathe every day he gives me gifts and talents he blesses my life but it's all his and if you and I can, can put ourselves in the picture where it's all God's and He's loaning it to you and I on a daily basis, I'll no longer live life as an owner and possessive. No, I'm going to live life as a steward and release. Because if you and I, if we take on the lens of being an owner, I found that we become possessive of the things that God has given us. Because I own that. I own that gift and talent. I've, I've honed it. I've developed it no 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 you you may have added your touch to it but God initially put his touch on you so if you and I live life as an owner I found that we live life with a closed fist but if we can take on the lens of being a steward when God says I have need of it is it moves us from being a a person who lived life with a closed fist to someone who lives life with an open hand you say, hey, God, I just want to release it. I want to release it. I want to release it. Just, just let it flow out of me. Would you and I take on the lens of being a steward of what God has entrusted to us. 
never ever consenting that this is mine because it's mine I'm never going to release it back into the hands of God I find it remarkable that God comes to people that he has made and asks to borrow things that he has created Hmm. let me say that one more time I find it remarkable that God comes to people that he has made and asks to borrow things that he has created and so often we can say no no I don't want to give it to you (laughs) would you and I realize that we are simply stewards would you just let it go would you let it go? If I didn't, wasn't lose my voice right now, I'd have the spirit of Elsa over me right now. Just let it go. Just let it go. Belinda, can you sing that song for? No, 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 no. Just whatever God's entrusted to you, would you just, just let it go? Trust Him with it. Hey, would you and I take on the lens of being a steward of what God has entrusted to us, not an owner? John Wesley put it like this. When the possessor of heaven and earth brought you into being and placed you in this world, he placed you here not as a proprietor, but as a steward. Is that we're simply stewards of what God has entrusted to us. The second thought I have around this passage is that generosity enables Jesus to ride into our city. Verse 6, And so the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. So they brought the donkey and the colt, they laid their clothes on them and set Jesus on them. And when he came into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, who is this? Is it your generosity enables Jesus to ride into your home, yeah. into your street, yeah. into the western suburbs of Brisbane, yeah. into our universities, yeah. into our schools, yeah. into our workplaces? Yeah. Is it your generosity enables Jesus to ride into any place where you go? There's such incredible power around generosity. When we release what God has entrusted to us, it magnifies His name. I found that generosity makes the invisible visible. Hmm. Generosity makes love visible. Generosity makes faith visible. Generosity makes Jesus visible. And because you and I have the ability just to release what God has entrusted to us, it just illuminates the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is that your generosity enables Jesus to ride into any place where you desire him to ride. I know, he he rides into my next door neighbor's house, Pete's house, on a regular basis. Simply through words of encouragement. At different times, mowing his lawn, of reaching out, of helping him. Is that things is that makes my invisible love visible to him. And I'm not saying that to to magnify who I am, but no, now I get the opportunity to talk to people, Pete, about the things of Jesus because simply by generosity, it opens a door that just enables Jesus to ride into Pete's house right now. (laughs) Would you see that your generosity enables Jesus to ride into wherever you desire him to ride into? Is that generosity makes a way like no other. I found that generosity moves heart. Generosity wakes up a city. Generosity stirs a city. Is that ordinary people giving extraordinary to the purpose of God sees God's miracles come and take place in our time. I want our city to be a city that asks, who is this? Who is this? And we never say it's for our glory, but it's for His glory. Would you take on the lens of being a steward of what God's entrusted to you? Would you see that your generosity enables Jesus to ride into your city? My third thought 
Third thought is that generosity writes you and I into God's story. As someone who owns a big donkey and a little donkey is written into God's story. I find it remarkable. Someone who just owns a big donkey and a little donkey, we're preaching about him today. He's written into the story of God. I wonder what it is that you have in your life that has written you into God's story. Not into just someone else's story, but into the story that God has for your life. And here, this owner of two donkeys is written into the story of God. Is that My life has been transformed by people's generosity. Is my life has been shaped and nurtured and valued because of people's generosity. I consider this building which we're in today, that we are here today simply because the generosity of ones that have gone before us. I see Marketplace. I drove past it this morning. What an incredible, beautiful fence that looks like. That's so good. But it's because of someone's generosity. So I'm holding a microphone today because of someone's generosity. You and I can sit on a seat because of someone's generosity. Is that we're written into God's story as we just release back into God's hands what is He entrusted to us. There's a story in the Word of God about Jesus in the temple one day. He's taking up the offering. If we could just have that next scripture, it'd be great. It says, No, let's go back a couple. That would be good. Let's, let's go to... You're doing good. Luke 21. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he, and he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. And so he said, Truly I say to you that this poor widow is put in more than all. For all these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God. But she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood that she had is that our generosity writes us into God's story. A, a widow with just two coins is written into God's story. <laughs> it is amazing. And God wasn't looking at the amount that was given. He's going look at the sacrifice that was given there. And God's just saying to each and every one, would, would you consider your sacrifice that you need to sow in? It's not about the amount not about the bigness of it, it's about the sacrifice that's attached to that. And some need to sow in big because God's blessed them big. And she's written into God's story simply because she gave what she had. It's not a qualification that you've got to give a lot to write, be written into God's story. No, 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 no. God's just saying if you have a heart of sacrifice, if you consider that your life is purely just a steward of the things I've entrusted to you, it doesn't matter the amount that's given to me. It's the heart by which it's given. And she's written to the story of God. It's just a little boy one day. There's thousands on the hillside. They follow Jesus for their miracles. And he comes with a lunch. Just a few loaves and a couple of fish. It's an insufficient meal to feed any more than just him as a young boy. But in the hands of Jesus, as he releases that to the disciples' hands and puts it in the hands of Jesus, as Jesus blesses it, breaks it, gives thanks to the Father, it ends up feeding thousands upon thousands of people. This little boy, I'm preaching about him 2,000 years ago, and he just had five loaves and two fish. He's written into God's story. It's not about the amount. It's about what you're willing to put into the hands of Jesus that takes place and matters. See, 
See, sometimes we just imagine I, I can only make an impact in the kingdom by something great and something like No, 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 no. It's just two coins. It's just a few fish. It's just a couple of loaves of bread. As we place into the hands of God, God performs a supernatural on those things. Our generosity writes us into the story of God. Luke 7 and verse 37, it says, And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. Is it here? There is a woman in a city and she's defined as a sinner in the city. A city designed to be something that would release human potential. City designed to be a place of refuge, a place to encounter God. And now she finds herself in the city and the city has let her down. says she's a sinner in the city. And when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, she bought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Here, here she comes and she breaks over Jesus' life. the most expensive fragrant oil. This fragrance that she used as a tool of trade every day to make her desirable for the man that she was going to sleep with. It was her tool of trade. It wasn't just something she kept on the shelf as an expensive bottle of perfume. No, she applied it to her life every day that the scent of that would make her attractive to someone in the city. And she comes and she takes that flask and she breaks it. She pours it out over the life of Jesus. And she's written into God's story. But she's purely just a woman in a city and she's a sinner. And she's written into God's story. I wonder what your tool of trade is that you could just put back in the hands of God. I wonder what your tool of trade is you could just say, God... I'm giving it back to you. Without invitation, she comes and she breaks the most expensive thing she has over the life of Jesus. I, I pray that you and I would be a church that without invitation, without invitation, is we just simply come and pour what we need to pour out over the life of Jesus. I, I wonder the stories you've already been written into the hearts of humanity and also into God's story, simply because you release what God's entrusted to you. We don't have the opportunity to be added to this word, but oh gosh, God is writing notes right now. The book of remembrance in Malachi says that when you and I get up there, we're going to be able to read the books that he's written about what you've done. The conversations you've had with others about God. <laughs> As you and I are written into God's story day after day after day, would you allow your heart to be a heart of generosity right now we're just going to come around a time of offering i'm not going to share another passage around this but as we look at the ways in which we can give and as pastor tim said before is you can still be a part of faith love hope offering it's not too late to sow in financially there uh, fill out a pledge also complete the prayer and praise card there that as a church we'll continue to pray for the miracles is what we believe in the miracle power of God. Is, as Tim said, is, it, is he changes not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you experience God moving in your past, he can, you can experience him moving today and also into the great future that he has uh, for you. And uh, so around this generosity, would you, however you sound today, we just say it simply as you're a steward, not an owner. Live life with an open hand.
is that your generosity enables Jesus to ride into our great city and different aspects into the western suburb right now. And through your generosity, you are written into God's story because you've written into someone else's story by releasing. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. And Father, over this great generous house, as we sow in financially, we thank you that you would take in your hands and you would bless it and you would multiply it. That we'd see many come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ right across this great city, our nation and our world. And we give you thanks in your wonderful name. And we all said, Amen. Amen. Um, just one more. Just stay here, my friend. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're good. How you doing, Andy? Good. He's a good man, this one. <laughs> you can take it. You can take it. Let me. Just let me do this one bit, one more. My, my final thought is that generosity flows from gratitude for the past and trust for the future. Wow. That's pretty cool, eh? Generosity flows from gratitude for the past and trust for the future. 1 Chronicles 29. Both riches and honour come from you. And you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you. And of, your, and of your own, we have given to you. Is it generosity flows from gratitude for the past? Of all the things that God has done for us. As we journey through life, God, we're saying, I'm putting my trust and my hope and my confidence into your hands. If you and I live with a heart full of gratitude for what he's done, and God, no matter how it plays out in my future, I thank you that you're all over it. I think when we get that right, I can simply say, God, all of my life is yours. My kids are yours. My house is yours. My gifts and talents is yours. My bank account's yours. It's just all yours. I'm not saying to give it all away. So God desires that you and I would have bread to eat, but we've also given a seed to sow yeah. as well. Would you allow generosity flow from gratitude for everything God has done? And that's why we put a, a praise portion on there. We, we just don't want to pray for the next. I want to give thanks for what has taken place that's gotten me to this place where I could believe for next. And as a journey through life, God, I'm simply saying, hey, God, I trust in you. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I just put my trust in you. You know, this first six months of this year for City Point and for different areas, it's been a tough time. For my family personally, it's been a tough time. But I've stood upon this statement, God, I'm going to give you thanks for everything you've done up to this time. And I'm trusting you for next steps. My brother Brian's life, I'm trusting you for next steps. For him. I have seen the faithfulness of God for the past 42 years. When I didn't find him, he found me and he just has blessed us and blessed us and blessed us. We all just stand to our feet this morning. As we finish up, I'd just love to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this incredible church community. The God, you, you've brought us together. 
at this time in history, at this appointed place, that we could lift up the name of Jesus, but we could co-labor together. And that's just incredible. It's all part of your plan. It's all part of your purpose. And this morning, Father, I play a blessing. A blessing. A blessing. You've made us holy. You've consecrated us. But you also give us the ability to create wealth and you bring us the great comfort of the Holy Spirit. You've blessed us with every heavenly blessing. You've blessed us with all things that pertain to life and godliness. You've given everything to us. And this morning, Father, I bless them. I bless them that we could go in and we could move a city. And that what you've entrusted to us, we simply just want to give it back to you, Lord. And that you would bless it and it would multiply. Not because of our doing, but because of your doing. That to our natural, you add the supernatural. And impossible things become possible. And we give you thanks today in your wonderful name. This morning, just with every head bowed, every eye closed, I, I want to ask you the most important question I could ever ask anyone. And the question is, do you know Jesus? Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? This morning, I want to let you know that he came and he died for you. If you're the only person on planet Earth, he, he would have come for you because he loves you so much. And the Father's heart, the Father's desire is that none would perish. None, none would be separated from God. And that's why he came and he gave up his life on a cross. But death could not hold him down. He rose again the third day in full of victory and full of life. But he came for you. This morning I just love to ask you, if you, do you know Jesus? Have you experienced what it is to be a son and a daughter of the Most High God? It's the most incredible experience. It's life-changing, life-altering. Or maybe you've once made this decision, be saying, you know what, today I just need to come back to Jesus. This season of life, I've just taken some backward steps, but this morning I, I want to reconnect. I want to re-engage. I want to make Jesus number one in my life. And so if you're like that today, I'd love to pray for you. And just to acknowledge who I'm praying for right now, I just love you. Slip up your hand. If you say, Mike, would you please pray for me? I, I just need Jesus. I need to surrender my life to him whether it's for the first time or whether you're coming back today into the relationship with God. So look one last time, is there anyone here today? Will you say, hey, Mike, just, I need Jesus. I need him. And I'd love to pray for you. We thank you, Jesus, for your saving grace. <laughs> and even ones that may be on a search and on a journey, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you'd intercept their life at the perfect time, at your time. But for those who have made that decision, that we now call you our Lord and our Saviour. Oh God, we're going to follow you all the days of our lives. We will declare that we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we give you thanks. Let's put our hands together and just praise God today. We're going to go out singing and rejoicing. So great to be with you. God bless. I know this message will keep speaking to you as you continue your day. So for more information about City Point West, jump on citypointchurch.com or follow our social media accounts, Instagram, City Point West, or our Facebook, City Point Church West. Have a great day.